0: You know, I believe everything happens for a reason. I really do. Even with things throughout my whole career, even things that kind of presented themselves at the time as bad decisions or bad experiences, you know, it all it all is part of the process and it all shapes you to where you end up getting to. You can try your hardest, I guess, to, to sort of fit the mould and, and please everyone, but ultimately you've, you've just got to sort of start to carve out your own path and do your own thing. And I, and I started to do that um, as best I could in both those very different markets. My dream personally as a parent is to look back and go, geez, that was a blur, but I know that I stopped. I know that I took it in. I know that I took moments to connect with them, especially during that time of day where they really look for it, which is when they're needing that care and they're needing that attention and that bedtime. Oh. So that's what I want these products to represent.
1: And that's the message I want people to take away from it. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. I'm so excited to welcome one of my favourite Aussie icons to the show for this episode, positively pinching myself to have the stunning Megan Gale here today. After winning a modelling competition at 18 years old in her hometown of Perth, Megan has had a stellar career as a fashion icon and become a household name, gracing the covers of many a glossy magazine, both in Australia and overseas, holding the longest fashion contract in Australia with David Jones and becoming an ambassador for L'Oreal, joining the likes of Beyonce and JLo. But she's not just a pretty face and smoking hot body. Megan has also enjoyed success in film and TV, including Getaway, Australia's Next Top Model, and Project Runway. If that weren't enough, she started her own swimwear range, Isola, in 2010 and has also conquered motherhood with two beautiful children, River and Rosie, to fiancé Sean Hampson, who is actually an old friend of mine. For many, that would be more than enough to feel deserving of putting up the feet, but Megan has added another incredible project to her repertoire. This May, in fact, just a few days ago, she debuted Mindful Life, a conscious children's skincare collection that's been five years in the making. Made in Australia from ethically sourced, cruelty-free and naturally derived ingredients, the range is designed to nurture the relationship between parent and child and encourage presence in an endlessly busy world of stimulation and time paucity. I'm honoured to have her on the show to tell us a bit about the brand and the story that led her to this moment. Beautiful Megan. Megan. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for joining me and, and, and <laughs> coming to chat with me. Oh my I should gosh. be thanking you. It's an honour. You are, you know, you're Australia's golden girl. Please. I would
0: never say that. <laughs> Maybe you oh, wouldn't. no way. I wouldn't say I'm
1: Australia's golden girl. I'm, oh. I'm a, I'm a girl that's just done her thing. That's it. Oh, well, we love you for it. And you've done it incredibly, incredibly Thank well. You. So, Thank yeah, you. I'm so stoked to be able to even just sit down with you. This is so exciting. It's fun. We're going to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So before I start, the first segment is called WayTA, which is pretty much the journey of how you got to where you are. Mm. And I, th- I think that's the bit that can really inspire others because everyone had to start somewhere. Yeah. But before that, I'd like to break the ice, particularly with people who a lot of people have heard of, you know, a bit of a household name and as a model and in an industry where there's a lot of TV, there's, you know, covers of magazines, it can seem very glossy on the outside, but I'm sure that you're incredibly down to earth behind the scenes. So what is the most down to earth thing about you?
0: Um, I think that I have never taken myself or my industry too seriously, I've always had an attitude of, you know, what I do is no more extraordinarily special or important than those that are working around me. You know, when you work in in fashion and with modelling and TV and all these other jobs, which do seem very glamorous, there's a lot of hard work that goes in behind the scenes. And yes, I'm probably considered you know people like me are considered the star or the talent or but you know there's a lot of people that are working on set Mm. to bring it all together that that if they weren't there I wouldn't be there so I think um one thing about me is I've always acknowledged you know the team that's there and you know everyone who's there from running to get coffees who's there building sets who's behind camera who's you know doing catering who's doing (laughs) your makeup and your hair it all, all everyone's relevant everyone's equal everyone's
1: important and you know I've held that within my work ethic I think since day one. Absolutely. I think it shows and it's wonderful because you can't last in an industry with a career as illustrious as yours without kind of leaving people with a really nice feeling. You have to be a pleasure to work with and I think it shows that that you've been that as well as being incredibly talented. I always (laughs) seek to, you know, I hope so. I hope that's been the case. Yeah. So let's get started and take it back to the very beginning. So young Megan. Yes. Back in Perth half Maori, yes. which I think is amazingly interesting, and the youngest of three with two brothers. So mm-hmm. the only girl, no sisters. Nope. What did you think that you wanted to be? Did you envision when you were younger that this is where you'd end up? Did you have any idea that you would go into fashion and modeling and TV, even dabble in acting and then end up as a businesswoman? Or were you more sporty? Were you a tomboy? You know, What was young Megan like? Okay, that's a lot to cover, but I'll try and do it <laughs> yeah. as succinctly as I can. But I, um, I think when I was a kid, I
0: really enjoyed being a kid Yeah, for a really long time. I didn't really sort of have any, I guess, clear aspirations or path in any, you know, and some kids would, they'd go, I want to do this when I grow up. I mm. never really had that. I just kind of focused on, you know, being a kid. But I think when, you know, you get, get to a point in high school where they start, you know, the teachers and your advisors start trying to point you towards different things and, 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 and try to get you interested in different things or explore what you're interested in. For me, um, it kind of varied. I, did, I mean, for work experience, I was a beauty therapist. Wow. I worked at a beauty therapy studio. I did um, not studio. know that. Yeah, I, I did that for um, a couple of weeks, which was really interesting. Um, I had to pick something and I thought, I'll give that a go. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I mean, but I also, you know, wanted, I loved animals and I thought maybe I could, you know, study to be a veterinarian. But then I thought, you know what, I think I knew pretty quickly that, You have to be not extremely intelligent, um, but you have to, I think, be a certain type of person to deal with sick animals, put them down. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a certain um, type of person that has the ability to not be emotionally attached and that can do that. I think doctors, vets, anyone that that has to go through that kind of um, those emotional dealings with other people, I think, as, as a very special type of person, and I just knew that I couldn't do that I wasn't capable of doing that so I, I guess I started to have you know thoughts about different kinds of careers, and then that was all happening around the same time that my mum had enrolled me in deportment classes through a modeling wow. agency, but it wasn't so I could become a model. Okay. my mum and I never really discussed me working as a model. it was never a goal for either of us, yeah. and it was never something that was even on the radar. I think the deportment classes came one a lot of girls just seemed to be doing them at the at that stage, um after school or on the weekend. So it was kind of like the new netball. It was like the thing to do. <laughs>
1: yep. Um I got
0: like, oh, everyone's doing deportment classes, you know. So but not just that. It was I'd had my heart broken by my first boyfriend and so my confidence was really shot. Oh. I had no self-confidence, was very insecure. And I think as well, you know, we, mum and I thought that that might be a good way to kind to come through that and so that was operated through a modelling agency and then when I you know every six months you have a graduation so I started in the beginners class and then went into intermediate and went into advanced but after my first graduation and my beginners class the owners of the modelling agency were there and they spotted me and asked if I'd like to work part-time
1: oh my gosh you were scouted while I was still at
0: school yeah in (laughs) Perth though Which is still still good, but it was, you know, I knew that it was a very small industry in Perth, but I knew that, um, you know, I'd done enough to sort of, it started to spark a bit of an interest in, into modeling and. I thought, wow, if I, they think I can get work, maybe I could kind of get a couple of jobs and have a part time. <laughs> you know, just put some money in the bank. You know, I was sixteen, yeah. so it was kind of like you know that taste of getting independence and yeah. starting to kind of earn some money. Yeah, and be, you know, <laughs> just sort of. You know, I think my parents were kind of like, you need to have a part time job. So, um, so it ended up working out, and I started to book book work. And then I won a modeling competition in Perth through uh, Eastern States, a Sydney-based agency. Um, and so following on, for after I left high school, I did one year working in Perth. And that, within that year was when I won the modeling competition. And then the following year, so it was the year I turned 19, I moved over to Sydney from Perth to give the Sydney market a crack because it was obviously more lucrative than the Perth market where I was quite a big fish in a small pond. And then I moved to Sydney and I realised very quickly I was a very small fish in a very big (laughs) pond (laughs) and I struggled to get work.
1: Wow. I
0: hardly ever worked. And, And it was an interesting time because, you know, I'm obviously a very quite tall that more kind of athletic curvy I mean not the sort of the I wasn't the model of the moment which was when Kate Moss was booming you know she's five yeah. foot seven there was that really cheek look, really tiny, yeah. not tall and curvy at all. And I was kind of the complete stark opposite of that. So that was, I think, why I struggled to kind of resonate with clients. Mm. Um, I got some work, but I kept running out of money. I had to keep flying back home to Perth because I couldn't afford to live in Sydney. Sydney's way more expensive than, than Perth to live. So I'd go back home. I'd work back in Perth. I'd save up more money. I'd come back to Sydney. <laughs> I'd try again. It cycle. not And this <laughs> went on for a good couple of years. Wow. Of just back and forth, going back where I could earn money to come back to just put it into a career that was going nowhere.
1: I think that's one of the most inspiring things to hear is firstly that you... Whatever you end up in, but especially in the modelling industry, you don't have to know from the time you're five that that's going to be what you're going to do. There's still time to have an an amazing career. But also that no one really or very, very few people start out with it being completely easy and completely uphill from the beginning. Do you know what? They're the stories you usually hear, that these girls are like whisked away to New York
0: and you know i'm not that and this is where i think where a lot of young girls come up to me and have been inspired by i guess my path is because it was a hard path it was yeah. it makes them give them hope you know that okay that didn't happen to her but it still happened i think my path is not the one that's more often It was the more unconventional path Mm. of, you know, I was 23 before something actually really significant happened. Usually that's when careers are winding up in the modeling industry. (laughs) Yeah, you've already peaked. (laughs) Exactly, you've already peaked. (laughs) Especially back then. It's a little bit more lenient now, but back then it was, if you hadn't made it by your mid-20s, just you know, give up. And that was certainly something that I entertained. But I think there was something, well, there was something in me that was kind of drawing me, kept drawing me back and going, no, there's something bigger that you're going to make it. there was, it was almost like a, just a little inner voice or an inner knowing that was, you know, stick at it something's going to change. Yeah. And you know, I moved to the Melbourne market to try and, you know, work in that market which ended up actually working quite well for me and then when I was 23, I was like that's it, I'm moving back to Sydney and I'm going to give it one last go. And the area that I hadn't really explored in the industry was TV commercials. And I knew it was quite lucrative, I knew it paid well. So I thought, look, if I'm going to give up, I'm going to get some coin in the bank. I said to my agent, look, let's just look, look at TV commercials. And I got a hair commercial. I got a chocolate commercial. <laughs> I got a commercial for Clio magazine.
1: Oh, my god! So I was like,
0: wow, OK, it's happening. I'm, this is the thing. Maybe I'm a TV commercial girl. And so I started saving and I was starting to kind of you know, get a bit of momentum with that. And then I got sent to an open casting call for a... TV commercial for Italy Is this which, Omnitel. which was Omnitel right. and every girl went for it in Sydney and then I got shortlisted and shortlisted and shortlisted and it came down to me and one other girl and I went in No, actually sorry there were five of us and I remember in going into North Sydney um in the morning was my sort of final callback and the client had come over at that point so the, oh, the Italians okay. were there and I did another audition and then I was like that's it done that for the day. I'm going to go to the beach and went to North Bondi and went hanging out with my girlfriends. And then my agent called me a few hours later and said, it's actually down to you and one other girl that they want to see you again.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And I was like, now, today. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yep, you better get back to North Sydney. I was like, but I'm on the
1: beach. Like, I, was I took 20, my makeup 23.
0: off. I was, no, I, totally. I'd, I'd, I'd clocked off the day. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it so vividly. And then there was just something in me going, no, you need to go back. Go back. So I was like, oh, guys, i have got to go back to North Sydney. <laughs> so work. I jumped in the car, got myself ready, jumped in the car, went back met them and then got the call the next day saying I got the job.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wrapped,
0: I've got the job. I'm glad I went back. But because it was the Italian market, I thought, I'm never going to see this thing. Yeah. And I knew when I was doing the job that it was something special but only in the sense of they'd, I think they'd sunk like, oh my God, a couple of million dollars into this commercial. And it was huge, like there was helicopters and I was driving a Cadillac and it was just the set they built was incredible. So I thought, wow, this has gone quite all out here. And it wasn't until like a month or so, three, three or four weeks later that my agency got a phone call from the client saying, we want to bring Megan over for a publicity tour because the commercials aired and Italians have gone a bit crazy for her. They want to meet this girl from Australia because... They want to know who the girl is from the, from the phone commercial. I was like, that is the weirdest, <laughs> most random. I did not expect that. <laughs> so next thing you know, I've hopped on a, flat, a flight. They've flown me over first class, which I was, I've I'd barely been out of the country. And I'm at the pointy end of the plane just going, what's going on? I'm struggling to get work. Now I'm flying first class to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this in my mid-20s. 20s. What is happening? What's going on? I was about to quit.
1: What an experience. So I was just like,
0: all right, let's, let's roll with this. And then I land in Italy and as soon as I get to the airport, I landed in Rome and I was walking through the airport and I could, people were pointing at me and whispering. And I thought, this is strange. They, they knew. Like, the and then I got to customs and then the guy at customs looked at my passport and he's looked at me and he's looked back at my passport and then he's gone and called his mates. But I've, I've never travelled to Europe so I'm panicking thinking, have they do they think I'm smuggling I'm something <laughs> the cops gonna come out and then a whole bunch of them come of course I don't speak Italian, Italian at all so they're all like looking at my passport and they're pointing and then they start trying to take a photo with me on their phones <sighs> which had never happened to me so I just sort of went I'm just gonna smile and be nice yeah
1: just go with it I'm
0: just gonna <laughs> nod and then I thought this is so strange and then it wasn't until I sort of got out you know through customs got my bag and the client met me and said, you know, how's it been since you landed? And I said, It's strange. People were kind of being a bit weird. And I'm like, oh yeah, wait till you see what we've got in store for you. And then they had me on this, I attended their version of the logies as a oh special guest. Gosh. Like I presented an award. I had bodyguards. I had what? Yeah, it was mad. And <gasps> I was like, is this really is necessary? But I went to, yeah, everything I went to, I was getting just completely accosted by people and bombarded it was the most bizarre experience and And of course you don't have social commercial
1: as well from a tv
0: commercial but of course back then you know it you didn't have social media yeah, so of course. people would also ask me about it and I'd explain it but I had nothing to kind of illustrate the experience yeah. you know. but it actually we're in May now of 2019 and this first trip that I'm talking to you about happened in May 1999 <gasps> so it was 20 years ago exactly like I was I think it was I think it was actually around the 9th of May I flew out so it was exactly 20 years ago oh
1: my gosh happy anniversary yes 20 <laughs> years I can't believe that was 20 years ago it just blows my mind that is Absolutely incredible, and yes. what a story! I mean, I think one of the things that that just makes me think of is that, firstly, the moment before you quit is often the moment when something's about to happen. So mm. I, I, just always try and encourage people: just hang in there because, push through. Yeah, that's when the magic really happens. Yeah, it's, it's not the easy bit; it's after the longest, you know, slog that you see the best views on a mountain. Like, just hang in there because you mm. never know what's around the corner. It's so true. It's such a beautiful way to to look at things. Yeah, and then the other thing is also that you really do have to be open-minded to pivot and to think I'm going to make my name in the Italian market of all markets like yeah. without any connection there mm. and then that's really what propelled you who who knew like that's no, incredible exactly. I would have never thought to go there yeah you know but I think it was all the moving
0: parts and that you know the way it all came together in that way I think if I'd gone to Milan to try and model it wouldn't have happened yeah you, you had know, to I just don't, let I don't it... think so I think it was getting the right job at the right time and and, and just you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. I really do. And I think that that experience was so unique to me. And, but you often do think about that sliding doors moment, like if I didn't go back into the audition, what would have happened? You know, what if, what if, what if to the cows come home? But (laughs) at the end of the day, I made my choices and I, and I chose my path and it sort of ended up being the right call coming back to Sydney. What if I didn't go back to Sydney? And I stayed in Melbourne, all these things. And but you know i feel like i made the the right choices at the right time even with things throughout my whole career that um even things that kind of presented themselves at the time as bad decisions or bad experiences, you know, it all it all is part of the process and it all shapes you to where you end up getting to.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I really try not to look at anything as a bad decision and more just a learning platform because you don't Correct. learn from the comfortable things that go no, right. You no. only grow from the things that don't go so well. And then, and then you come out of it, you know, stronger and more ready for whatever's next. That's it. So what did come next? Did you end up staying in Italy for a little while and continuing working over there? Or did you come back home? And, and how did you end up? gracing the covers of all the magazines and I mean you've been on almost every magazine cover here but also in Italy. Oh, no I haven't and actually I haven't. Really? That's no that,
0: that's still been no matter what I did and what do I do we can talk about that separately. But um, <laughs> I've got Marie Claire Grazia. Yeah there's been a couple but I wouldn't say everyone and that's why I kind of I guess JQ um, reacted to- <laughs> reacted to that yes but i've never been on vogue i've never been on <gasps> harper's bazaar i've never been on cosmo i've uh cleo did i ever get on Clio? no I've never way been on Cl- no there wow. was no matter what i did or what I, I sort of achieved in my career there were just still some clients and people that just i think i just wasn't right for or mm. good enough for mm. and it kind of used to bug me if i'm really honest but then i thought you know what it doesn't matter yeah It doesn't matter because I think for me, wanting to get that approval and wanting to get that acceptance from my own industry and my own peers back home was so important to me, even after everything I did in Italy and overseas and to kind of, you know, it's like when we seek it from our own parents, it's nice when other parents and other people think it, but you want it from your own ones. And so I think because I wasn't accepted here for so long and I, I didn't kind of make it here for so long until I went to Italy... I still wanted it back home yeah. and I wanted it throughout the industry and to get that respect and to get that acknowledgement and I'd see my peers getting these covers and getting this acknowledgement who were doing the exact same thing as me. Mm. But yet for some reason I still wasn't quite good enough. And it did used to bug me, but it was only until recent years that I thought it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day that's just one editor's opinion or one person's opinion or one stylist's opinion or one whoever made that call. Mm. That's just their opinion and their call and and ultimately, you know, I've got to be happy with with myself. But anyway, so getting back to what you were saying, it's what well, I'm trying to think what you were saying.
1: Now <laughs> I went off on such tangent. No, I think that's really important to cover as well. And it I is. want to come back to it in the naTO part, you know, about the challenges that you face is that it is an industry that's very subjective at times. Yeah, It's very, you know, seasonal and timely. So if you're not the look, it's got nothing to do with how hard you work or how well you've positioned yourself. If you're not mm. what one editor wants, it's I just I can't admire anyone in any industry more than models and people in fashion who you have to have a thicker skin I think than do. women in any other industry and you really do oh and that's what you were saying too, Dan. I remember now because you were saying so how
0: did you go from that into going to being on covers and you know what happened from that point so from that point no I didn't stay in Italy because I was really overwhelmed yeah. because um, while again while it sounds very glossy and glamorous having um, I, I became yeah, kind of preyed upon in terms of I had you know people trying to get me throwing me contracts and for me to sign this that and the other um, for different opportunities which were great opportunities I went from having no work and no interest to having almost too much. I was getting film offers, I was getting T V hosting offers, all in Italy. (laughs) I was getting fashion contracts. I mean the work was coming in quicker than I could even process it. But it was also like everything was in Italian, everything was foreign (laughs) to me. And I was like, I've got you know, I had an agent take me under their wing over there, thank God. But it was still a very overwhelming time. I mean that the client was book you know, the Omnitel was booking me for shoots and there were photographers that were trying to get me to get my clothes off Mm. and it was just On, and then you sort of step out of your hotel or the studio or wherever you are, and then you've got a bunch of photographers in your face taking your picture. You've got journalists asking you questions and trying to find out about you, and, and, and so Italy was a very overwhelming place for me. It was literally losing my anonymity. Overnight, and no one can prepare you for that. There's no handbook for that. Mm. It's just learning on the fly. And so I, I wanted to come back home. You know, my boyfriend at the time was there, my family, my friends. I just wanted to be back to what I knew and slip back into being anonymous. Because back in Australia, no one still knew who I was or cared. So it was kind of coming back to, you know, a little bit of a retreat. Um, And so I would just dip back into Italy whenever I had to. And I did that for the first few years. Um, but then I get started to I guess become a bit more accustomed to it and then back home I started to sort of have paparazzi back home and have that not needing security guards but it was definitely my profile lifted and things changed back in Australia so I thought well it's kind of happening everywhere now so I may as well move to Italy and just make the most of it and that's what I did but again it's um it was funny back home like you say it's you can try your hardest, I guess, to, to sort of fit the mould and, and please everyone, but ultimately you've, you've just got to sort of start to carve out your own path and 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 do your own thing and I and I started to do that um as best I could in both those very different markets
1: yeah you know, I quite... can't even imagine the adjustment that that would have been from literally struggling to get work to just being bombarded and followed really, really around really the world quickly. Yeah. it wasn't like a gradual oh, this happened over the course of a few years it was within weeks yeah oh my within gosh. weeks so trying, abrupt. yeah and trying to get your head around that I can't even imagine. And not being prepared to lose that. It's not like, you know, sometimes with certain celebrities, they volunteer for that. So they're ready yeah. for something coming. But for you, it was just kind of like, bang.
0: <laughs> and it was. And I think, you know, I have sort of spoken out about that experience before. You know, you get some people who, I guess, are a bit understandably critical of that viewpoint saying, well, you know, you chose that. So you can't then turn around and say, I don't want that anymore. I don't want paparazzi. I don't want that attention and it's, it's a hard one to kind of say that because I chose the career, but I didn't choose for my privacy to be invaded. Mm. And when I chose that as my career, I didn't necessarily know that that would come along with it. And, and it doesn't always for everyone either. And it doesn't always. And at the end of the day, that was all I was qualified to do. And all I ever wanted to do was that job. I wasn't after. You're right. Some people want to be famous supermodels. Some people want to be famous actors or want to be in TV. They want the fame. I never wanted the fame. I just wanted to be successful at what I did and good at what I did. The, the fame bit didn't really interest me. And when I had these opportunities all of a sudden to work and pay bills and pay my parents back, I took it. You know, it's not like I went, yes, great, now finally I'm famous and I'm a household name. And then I went, oh, no, actually I don't want to be anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was more like, oh, I have an income. Yeah, This is what I'm qualified to do. I didn't go to university. This is what I, I set out to do. And it's finally happening. Of course I'm going to take
1: it. Yeah, you know, I'd worked too hard to kind of turn my back on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, mm. it looks like you, I mean, I'm sure behind the scenes there was a lot of grappling with, with the changes and what it meant, but you seem to have taken it into your stride in a very graceful way. Um, Yeah, did it handled its best as a young as a young person can. A young kid in their 20s can, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then you've gone on to have an incredible, incredible career, have been, you know, the face of David Jones for the longest fashion contract I think that existed in Australian history. It was pretty long, yeah. <gasps> Which is amazing yeah. and and it became an ambassador for L'Oreal and mm. have had another, you know, just a string of amazing achievements in an industry that, you know, you are synonymous with Australian fashion I don't think there are many people who haven't heard of you. It's, you've become, a household name even if you didn't set out to do that yeah so how has that how did that all develop did you get to a point where you realized you know this is it I want to continue writing this for the good and the bad that come with it but this is Mm -hmm. my career and did you set out to get those positions and position yourself in those roles or did you just kind of go with it And, and how did you choose between runway and editorial you know how did your career unravel from there
0: I think with the opportunities that came my way, I knew that okay, look, it's it's finally happening. There's there's genuine interest, both both not just in Italy but back home. And I'd already I'd worked for David Jones quite a bit before I became their face. So I had been booked for. They were one of the few people actually that used to book me. So um, I used to do their catwalk shows, and I loved catwalk. I always loved catwalk, even back from early days in Perth. Like it was my thing. We we only initially started out with just me being the face of their season launch. Mm-hmm and doing their shows around the country and it just got it just got received really well with their customers with the media and they saw an opportunity to well let's Keep going with this. So I then did their next campaign, and then we signed up for I think it was like a three year contract, and then a five year contract, and then it just kept ticking over in total. We 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 were together for thirteen years,
1: and
0: yeah, which you know, and it was really good. I mean, I I I still really cherish that um, experience and that relationship because I think we both got a lot out of it. I think um, you know all the respective teams that were involved with bringing that partnership together. We you know it was during a really good time and when retail was thriving and yeah. we shot around the world like it was it so was cool. i i got to see the world with david jones it was it was incredible and um and so with any other opportunities like that there was there's there's plenty of things i mean my god i reckon i could you know honestly say i have said no to things more than i've said yes because it was really important for me to be aligned with the right brands mm-hmm. and i've always been from the get go um, I guess pretty adamant about not just signing on or working just to make money it mm-hmm. has to make sense it has to be um, products or brands or things that I would genuinely use and be proud to stand alongside and associate my name with and that sort of kind of continued over the years and I think you know same with with L'Oreal and working in TV with Foxtel and working in film there are all things that I definitely um, wanted to do I think I had my little list when I started to kind of get into the industry a bit more and after I started doing the commercials in Italy and and started to I got some film opportunities over there as well I really wanted to explore acting more I worked a little bit in TV in Italy and I thought I'd really love to explore television more and when sort of TV opportunities came up or film or whatever it was I just kind of took it because Mm. I'd had an interest there and I thought it, it could work it might not I'm in a really fortunate position to now try my hand at different things and get experience and get knowledge. And so I just ran with it and it was really good. It gave me an opportunity to kind of understand what I liked and what I didn't like and what I was good at and what I was bad at. And yeah, I I think having the, the diverse opportunities come my way was really, really a blessing.
1: It sounds like it was a really nice combination of being reactive in things coming to you that seemed like a great opportunity, but also being proactive in planning out how you wanted that to look and what values you wanted to align with and what values you didn't and being a bit selective Mm. as well about which ones you would take and which you wouldn't and where that would lead you in the end. Yeah. And I think that diversity is one thing that is so outstanding and, and exciting and amazing about your story is that you propelled onto this international modelling and fashion landscape and, you know, missed a big part of... Exploring because you were so successful at such a young age, missed exploring anything else that you might have wanted to do, like studying or going into other kind of careers. Yeah. But have since been able to pivot again in an amazing way. Once you decided to retire, I think it was two thousand and eight was the the time when you retired from, from catwalk modeling. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. from catwalk. Uh, have since been able to explore not only things in the media and entertainment industry, like TV and um, and hosting and events and and film, but also business. Yes. I mean, you've made an incredible pivot and transition into exploring other sides of yourself and your profile and ways that you can support the values that you like. And also since becoming a mother, I'm sure that's changed your role again. Mm, It has. So talk us through retiring from Catwalk. I think you came back in 2011 for Alex Perry. (laughs) Yes, you researched. Wow. How did you make that decision to kind of close that chapter Mm. and then you know, I think the first business was 2010. Yeah, Isla, yeah, with Isla. Isla, yeah, Yeah. Isla, the the swimwear label. What was that transition like for you? Again, was that planned or, you know, was it something that you wanted to move away from that industry or did it an opportunity come up and Mm. were you ready for a new challenge? And and, and both those things you mentioned, the
0: the catwalk and then moving into business and and sort of pulling back from modelling, that all happened in a similar time. So with the modelling, I guess at that point, I had been walking on the catwalk for David Jones for like seven years, you know, so we'd done two launches a year for seven years. That was 14 launches that I had done for them where I'd walked down the catwalk and I still really loved the relationship and, and still, you know, modeling in front of the camera and on the catwalk was still something that I really enjoyed, but I kind of felt like I was nearing a point where I'd done it so much and there, there was, it was kind of almost becoming a little bit groundhog day. At the same time, I got – and at this stage, I hadn't decided to officially retire from that role. It was just kind of in my mind that, you know, maybe it's time to start exploring other things. You know, Mm. you wanted to explore acting a bit more. You wanted to explore TV a bit more. So maybe it's about pulling back on that and making time for those things. And then almost like the universe threw this bone at me. It was quite (laughs) interesting. I got – a phone call from a casting agent who said that the director George Miller wanted me to put down an audition for a movie that he was doing and I thought wow this is <laughs> so amazing and I'm now a movie actor. I didn't well no and I and it was all very top secret and I didn't know what it was for I just got handed some um, dialogue from a random film actually there were three films and you could pick your dialogue from any film but you basically had to go into the casting agency Put down a cold read, and then it would get sent on to George, and that was it. And you may or may not hear back. So this was all kind of happening around the same time. So I went ahead, I did it. When I when I got when I actually got to the audition, one of the casting agents said to me, "Have you heard about this? What's going on? Do you know what this is for?" And I said, "I have no idea. I do not have like an ear to the ground with what's going on with the film <laughs> yeah. industry at all." And she said, "George has got you in mind to play Wonder Woman." <gasps> in his new Justice League film and I I loved Wonder Woman for years and when I was growing up everyone used to tell me you look like Linda Carter you know, Wonder <laughs> yeah, Woman yeah I, see so that. I was just like man are you kidding so then I this is pre-audition by the way so then of course I panicked I did probably, I reckon, would have been the most horrific audition that anyone's ever seen. <laughs> I was nervous, green, completely inexperienced. Oh, my God. Um, I'd love to see that video. And I, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's been destroyed because it was, would have been worthless. I ended up, funnily enough, he saw the video and said he wants you to come back, do it again. We'll give you some different material to work with. Um, there'll be an actor that you can work off. Um, because what happened was, which I didn't know at the time, they sent the the first audition to George Miller, who just went, she's not right, the role's she's she's completely the right look, but the role's too big because it was lead protagonist, and he went, it's just too big for her, she can't do it. Warner Brothers saw it and went, she is Wonder Woman. You have to work with her. Make her better. She's our Wonder Woman. So Warner Brothers were on board. George wasn't, which I didn't know at the time. So when I got called back, I thought George was like a fan. All over it. (laughs) Um, Turns out he was like, oh, I don't think she can do it. Anyway, he got me back in the room with another actor. Gorgeous, great guy called Michael Dorman. He's an Aussie actor, actually. We worked together and did a workshop at George's studio um, for a day and then we kept putting down more scenes and then George watched them back and went okay maybe maybe we're on to something here and then he took it back to Warner Brothers and they were like come on she's improved so much and he was like yeah i think i think i think she's got we can, it. We can i think do she's this. got it and that was amazing and so then i got i got signed actually Warner Brothers actually signed me for 3 films and um, they signed all of us for three films that was going to do the Justice League movie and but then I got the dates and it conflicted with everything I had to do with David Jones for the oh, remainder of my contract yeah. and so um, I wouldn't have been able to shoot their campaigns I wouldn't have been able to do their launches so um, it basically came down to me walking away from it and them having to replace Shell, me. Shel though, um, didn't they, in the end? It, it, the, the, yeah, but not, not at that stage. We were still oh, going to do okay. the movie. So yep, yep. they said that we're not going to stand in the way of a Hollywood career if that's what you want to go and do. We understand the opportunity. Um, so David Jones said, but, you know, you we understand we're going to have to replace your role on the catwalk and... Um, And that's how Miranda Kerr came about.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Because I pulled out to do the film. Yeah. And then the film didn't happen. (laughs) And
1: so I lost everything. Oh, so you actually did pull out of David Jones?
0: Yeah. For the movie? um, Yeah. (gasps) That's why I stopped and that's why Miranda started, So, oh which I understood. It was like, well, they need someone to sort of fill my shoes. Yeah, of course. So they went and got another model and that was Miranda. And then the film didn't happen. Oh but gosh. by then they'd already signed Miranda and she'd shot the campaign and she was walking for the – like I think it was about a month after she did her sort of I, – I no, sorry, I did my final walk for them. And um, they'd signed Miranda in the process. And then I found out a couple of months later that the film wasn't going ahead because of the writer's strike and a whole bunch of other issues. But luckily enough, though, David Jones said to me, look, we've sort of had to make other arrangements, but we still would love to have you as a brand ambassador because we still think you add value to our brand. So I stayed with them for another five years.
1: What was it five after <laughs> Which that? was great, yeah. Oh, so that was much, 2008.
0: And then 2013, I stayed with them. So... That was kind of, I I guess, really interesting how how that all (laughs) happened. But but regardless, I mean, when the movie didn't happen, George said to me, I still want to work with you one day. And he promised me he would. And so then he offered me a role in Mad Max.
1: So that's how 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 Mad Max came
0: about, because he always said he would work with me. And he saw something in me that he thought was, you know, interesting and special. And he wanted to sort of still follow through with that so that's how Fury Road came about oh next. wow
1: mm. what a hugely enormous period of time that must have been I know I, <laughs> I try and answer these questions really <laughs> succinctly but there's such a backstory to all of my big mean, you know we're talking about 20 years worth of stuff so I mean that's so cool though that's why I think people do look at some some of the outside of that and think oh that happened you know overnight. That happened, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know. don't think about how much has gone how, and how much unexpected stuff gets thrown at you and then how much you have to adapt to that and and there are big disappointments along the way even for people at the top there are big disappointments and changes and adaptations along the way and half the time I'm sure you were like I don't know what's going to come next yeah I I can't I have what is happening to me well yeah and so it wasn't like let's just quit modeling it was like well this
0: opportunity's come up and you're talking about pivoting it's like well let's pivot into that because that's there and that's probably not going to come around again so let's explore that and ended up probably being for the best. I think regardless of Justice League not happening, I think it, you know, my initial instincts, like I said, were to kind of, oh, let's explore other things. Mm. So I guess it kind of just started me down that path of of going into other areas and sort of talking about the, the transition and the pivot into business. That kind of happened not too long after because the end game for me was always about making that transition from, you know, model into creating my own brand, into creating my own business. And that had already started happening. I was becoming, I guess, you know, you kind of sometimes when you become a personality or however you want to call it, you do do start to develop your own brand identity. And that can be a very powerful thing when you marry that back with other brands. And I guess that's what happened with David Jones and myself, you know, is a good example of that. But I think I took a lot of inspiration from, you know, models that had paved the way before me, like Earl McPherson and Cindy Crawford and all these amazing models that had, you know, stopped being just one-dimensional models, Mm. you know, coat hangers, for lack of a better word, and actually going, well, no, I've actually created my own brand and my own values here, which I can help create my own businesses beyond always just selling other people's brands and products. I can create my own. And so I drew a lot of inspiration from models of that era and how they made that transition. And, And that was always the end goal for me. So when the opportunity to do a swimwear range came up, I took it. But I have to say, as hard work as that was, because that was a big learning curve, I hadn't done it before, it's not a patch on what I've done with this new business because with those kind of deals, which are quite often quite common between celebrities and brands where they're more kind of, I guess, a a licensing deal type situation. So someone approaches you, offers to create a brand or arrange for you, um, you oversee it, you creatively direct it, but you often set in with everything completely funded An infrastructure, a team, you know, and um, a lot of that groundwork has already been done when you step in Yeah, and you put your name on it and everything's awesome and it was and it was a great brand, a great product from a, I guess, partnership perspective. In the end, it wasn't quite right. Um, But I learned a lot from that business. And I think the most important thing I took away from it was if I was going to start another business venture and go down that path, where possible, I would try and do it all myself. Yeah. Because I needed to have something for myself rather than sort of stepping in the easy way, of course, and having it all laid out for you. But ultimately, the control lies with someone else. So when you're putting that much hard work into something that's got your name on it, to have someone else be calling calling all the shots is, is not
1: really ideal. So that's a very exciting segue into mm. why we are here today because five years ago mm. the seed was planted for that exact realisation to come to life in a business that is yep. wholly yours, yep. that has been part of the next kind of phase of your transition in life from, you know, We've this... we pivoted again. Another <laughs> pivot, <laughs> another pivot. <laughs> so your first son, River, arrived in 2014. Indeed. And I think motherhood and that... You know new identity and and another layer in this multi-dimensional story sparked something about connection with your children Mm -hmm. and that role as a mother and all the elements that that brings with it um and five years on we now have another brand that at the time of this releasing will be just a few days old yes so tell us about mindful life.
0: All oh, right. Well, so mindful life as you say started back in 2014 when my son was I was a new mum and I had a new baby and I was one of those mums that was quite quite adamant about wanting to find only the safest Best natural products for my child, um, and I definitely found some out there. I found some great ones, but I was quite disappointed in the options mm. and and the amount of options that I had. And I I really was quite passionate about wanting to add to that space and grow that space and contribute to 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 giving those options to other parents. Mm. And when I kind of looked into you know the choices that I was making with products for my child, it was funny because obviously coming from a background of being with other brands and other companies and seeing how things are marketed you know I was quite cluey I thought myself as quite cluey and quite (laughs) intelligent and I but upon further exploration I'd be like well they've marketed that as quite cute and friendly and safe and I started to look at some of the ingredients and do a bit of research I'm like ah that's not quite what it seems to be and that was very unsettling <laughs> and unnerving as a new parent you know and I thought god that's another reason to kind of try and add to this space and tick all the boxes and make sure things have no nasties and they've got beautiful you know ingredients that people can trust and that was kind of the that was kind of the initial goal was to create these type of products and it was just going to be a baby brand and that was it. At that time had you had you
1: exited Isla?
0: Um, I was yeah I was winding. it was kind of starting to come to an end. Yeah. This one, I had the idea, okay, but yeah. um, Isla was probably, yeah, coming close to ending, I think. Yeah. I carried on that path for a bit, but then I thought, do you know what? Different to other ventures that I've gone down, I want this to be really different. I don't just want to make product for the sake of making product. Um, sure, it's good to want to add to that space and make some beautiful, safe products for babies, but I don't want. I, I knew something in me was saying, this has to be, you've got to find a bit more of a why, a bit more of a purpose. You know, what... Um, is it about these products that's going to be different from everything else? And you can only do so much with baby products. You know you're not going to necessarily reinvent the wheel unless you've got some super whiz scientist that's come up with a cure for something or a a product that no one's ever seen before. And I knew I didn't have that, and I knew that wasn't the motive for me. But I just kind of pressed pause on everything and thought, what is it about these products? What is it about water? What's the why? Mm. Why am I doing this? Mm. And I thought, until I can answer that, I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to progress with it. So I sat with it for a bit. And in this, you know, newborn, new mum haze, <laughs> crazy blur, <laughs> and it is, and I'm sitting on this idea, I would have parents come up to me, ones that I didn't know, ones that I knew, and a lot of whom um, had children that had grown up, that were teenagers and in their 20s and beyond. And I had them coming up to me because they'd see me with River and say, oh, okay, he's precious. It's just a newborn baby. You know, don't wish it away. Just, I know it's hard in those newborn months, but so it in. I wish I could have that time back. My kids are grown up now or they've moved out of home or my teenagers don't even want to hang out with me. I just wish I could go back and cuddle them and hold them and be there with them and... Just really take it in. And in that point I was I was in that, my God, I just want to get past this phase because it's hard. You know, I think in hindsight I suffered from a little bit of postnatal depression, just crying all the time and not sleeping and it was hard. And you know, my we'd just lost lost Sean's dad, my dad was terminal and dying from cancer and it was just it was a horrible time and Mm -hmm. I just wanted it all to go away. Yeah. But I kept having these parents saying the same thing, different people, over and over again. And in addition to that, I had my mum who has always been very much a big um, advocate of mindfulness, and she tried to instill that in me for years when I was a teenager. She tried to instill that in me when I was running around the globe like a mental person, yep. my head cut like a chip with a head cut off, just like race, 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 you know, go, 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 go. Don't go. have a bar of mindfulness. She'd always just be like, <laughs> slow down, put back into yourself. You work too much, you work too hard. And I, as I got older, I started to apply it a bit more. But when I became a mum, my mum again was like just – take it all in these little baby, this you know you're having a small baby is such a blessing and yes it's hard work but it will go so fast yeah and so my mum saying this and all these parents saying this just really started to resonate with me and it flicked a bit of a switch and I thought here I am trying to rush through you know get the baby to bed and get the baby fed and get the baby bathed and, and I'm still trying to do it all and I'm not stopping and enjoying it I'm not stopping and appreciating it and you, you can even, you know, it's hard when you're tired and it's hard when you're, you're stressed, but they're the moments when you need to really stop and just let everything else go and step back in and connect. And that's when I thought, that's what this is. That's what this business needs to be about. Yes, we'll make some, you know, real beautiful products and they'll have all these amazing ingredients and they'll be, you know, cruelty-free and all these other things, but they're actually just a bite. That's just, that should be a given. That should be a no-brainer what you should do. That's not, shouldn't be what this is about. What this is about is what those products represent and they represent a time of day that we often try and see as a chore that we rush through. But I want these products to be symbolic and be tools to help you connect with your child while they're still young and feel their skin be mindful of it massage them wash them get them ready for bed read a story don't rush through it that that because when they're that young all they want is you they want your attention they want to connect and if you let them take you into their world you get to disconnect from yours which Mm. I think is such a beautiful gift and then that's when I was like that's what this is about now how do I how do I encapsulate that because I didn't have a brand name it's like how do I encapsulate that in one word how do I position that so people get it and then just it popped into my head mindfulness it's about being mindful mindfulness is not for hippies it's not for (laughs) yogis it can be
1: it's for everyone
0: it's for everyone it's really at its most simplest definition it is just about being present and aware and connected and that's all I want people to do with their kids And it won't always be possible. I'm definitely can stick my hand up and say, I've wanted to rush through that type of day. Sometimes (laughs) I still do. But I think what the main thing to take away from this is, you don't want to get to a point where you're then like those parents that were coming to me going, I should have stopped more. I should have connected more. I'd give anything to be up at 3am feeding them and cuddling them. I'd give anything to be, you know, reading them a bedtime story Because they will get to those teenage years where they're more interested in their devices or their girlfriend or their boyfriend (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is. And it won't be about you anymore. You know, they'll love you. but you'll blink and it'll happen. They won't be going, hold me, cuddle me, read to me, play with me. You know, they won't need you. And you will feel a little bit, kind of a little bit of a loss there. And so you want to be able, my dream personally as a parent is to look back and go, geez, that was a blur." But I know that I stopped. I know that I took it in. I know that I took moments to connect with them, especially during that time of day where they really look for it, which is when they're needing that care and they're needing that attention and that bedtime. Oh. So that's what I want these products to represent and that's the message I want people
1: to take away from it. That is so beautiful. And you know, I mean we have a product business as well, and I think one of the things that really stands out about what you're saying is yes it there's it has to be a good product. I mean, that's obviously the basis of a product business. And the products are ethically sourced. They're cruelty-free. They are free from, you know, all the nasties that do appear in baby products like Mm. petroleum and synthetic fragrances and all that Mm. stuff. But what is not, you know, copyable or what is enduring about a brand is not just the product, it's the experience. It's the feeling that you get from the business. And people can copy pretty much anything that anyone does these days, but they can't copy the occasion that you create and the feeling that you give. And this brand is like two days old. And (laughs) I already feel that, you know, that you're creating an occasion that if every other part of the day is rushed, this part is not, using the products and interacting with them is one small, slow, tiny moment that is dedicated to your experience with your children. And it's born out of your own personal experience as well, which I think... Yeah, comes through most strongly in the businesses that other people do gravitate towards. That yeah. So and look, I do,
0: look, I, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm sitting there taking my time and I'm massaging yeah. for ages. <laughs> and I but and some people might go, she's having a laugh. I don't have time to do that. It's yeah. like well, maybe you need that time. Just it. It might be that you might you might whiz through. The dinner and the bath, but you might take a bit more time doing the massage with yeah. the baby, or you might, you know, I get it. I'm, I'm a, I'm,
1: you're a realist. You I know I'm, you've, you've got, got no, two I'm, kids. I'm, I'm, hey, I've got
0: two kids, <laughs> and I'm busy. I've got a start-up business. Like I've, I time poor. I'm in sleep debt. Um, I get it. But I think, and again, this is, um, pointing towards, I guess, the bigger message of the brand. It's, it's beyond this applying to just kids and parents. This is mindfulness in general that I'm going to grow with this business, and, and you know mindful life 2.0 will be focused more on mindfulness for everyone even with doing this business which was so stressful and so challenging it's the hardest (laughs) thing I've ever done it 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 reinforced the importance of mindfulness to me it was quite ironic how it was happening because I was trying to do it all and and get it all happening and I noticed that I I was sort of lacking in my own kind of self-care just to get it all to get it all um up and off the ground and what i realized was like if i'm gonna if i'm going to talk the talk i've got to walk the walk here so i would you know probably at the risk of delaying things with the business i'd go you know what it's a little bit getting a bit too hard today Mm. i'm going to book a yoga class Mm. i'm going to step away shawnee's got the kids this is going (laughs) to make me more focused more productive more chilled out i'll probably be more fun to be around with the kids and with (laughs) sean I'm going to go and do that. Or if I can't do that, I'm going to at least, you know, shut the laptop. I'm going to go sit in the front yard in the sun for five minutes. I'm going to go for a walk around the block. Whatever it is, I think that's when it's about being mindful and connecting back into yourself so you can then give more to others. It's I really liken it to, you know, when you're on a plane and they say, um, you know, please fit your own oxygen mask before assisting young children. It's all about that look after yourself because I think with mums too, you get a lot of mum guilt and mum mums shaming mums or, or you know you're a bit selfish and you know should be putting your kids first and sometimes you need to put yourself first so that you can be better for everyone else. and that's going to be, I guess a bigger part of the brand that I talk about that goes beyond products and all of that and that's kind of, Again, came comes back to my why for the business and the purpose, and and something that I thought I wanted to be a brand that's constantly delivering something. Can even if it helps one person go, oh, she's right. I do need to chill out a bit more. I do need to dis. I don't have to do those emails now. It can wait an hour. I'm going to go put myself into a yoga class, or I'm going to go go for a walk. Or for some people, it might not be yoga. It might be I'm going to go hit some tennis balls, or go for a swim, or go for a run, or it could even be just stopping and reading a book whatever it is it could just inspire someone to give back to themselves a bit more and and be present and you know then
1: have a flow-on effect for their own physical health their mental health Mm. that's kind of the, the end goal for me Oh, it sounds absolutely amazing. I mean, the products look beautiful. The ingredients sound amazing. And I can't wait already for 2.0 because I'm like, is it weird? I don't have children. Is it weird for me to carry around children's massage oil? Because I kind of want it for myself. Massage oil, is massage oil, it's very safe for babies, but I use that on me too. I love it. It's beautiful. It looks amazing. And yeah, I think it is something that particularly in that moment of motherhood is incredibly important. But for everyone, I mean, it will. It will grow, obviously, baby steps, but it will grow to... To a movement, it's, it's so important in this day and age, and particularly now that everything is moving so fast all the time, yeah that it's very hard to put on the brakes. It's it's something we actually have to do as a discipline. It, it, yeah. No one else will do it for you. Absolutely. And
0: look, I'm I'm definitely no mindfulness guru. But, you know, <laughs> oh, she's got it sorted. I don't. In fact, I, I still find it quite hard. It's it's like anything. Practice makes perfect. You know, like I I have to practice it time and time again to get better at it, and. You know, with what I want to develop with the business, hopefully one day will be content online and I certainly won't be there kind of, you know, dispersing advice to people saying, you know i've got it sorted for me it's like well no i can be the facilitator and giving that information i want to talk to people who are mindfulness experts in i mean my partner who used to play afl i mean they had a lot of mindful those boys have a lot of mindfulness coaching and talking Mm. about being present and being focused i mean they're athletes they need that Mm. i mean it's starting to come across into so many different areas the corporate world people are talking about mindful eating and mindful movement of your body and I wanna talk to people in different areas about how mindfulness is applied to that specific job or topic. And then share that with people because I think it, it it does have, there are a lot of preconceived assumptions about what it is and what world that mindfulness sits in. And it's usually, I guess, perceived as something that's a bit alternative. Yeah. and a bit, <laughs> a bit woo-woo. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it can be that. But yeah. I think there's so much more to it that that's a lot more, uh, that people find, I guess, a lot more relatable than what they think it is. Totally. And so I kind of want to break down those stereotypes about it as well because it, once you
1: kind of start to tap into that, it's, it is really, really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So that actually kind of leads really nicely into the play TA segment. So usually what comes next is an ATA, which is all the biggest challenges that you faced along the yeah. way, but you've already been incredibly honest of <laughs> about, about some of the harder times along the way. Um, so maybe we can just merge them into one. Play TA is my favourite section because that's where we do kind of strip back all that busy, all that productive, all that obligation and social expectation and all that stuff Mm. that we assign to um, and often just kind of get in this hamster wheel of productivity for the sake of being busy and don't take moments to stop and just think about who we are. What do we like? What's important? What's important outside of achieving and goals and career and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and who are you as a person when you're not Megan Gale the model or Megan Gale the businesswoman or Megan Gale the mom you know mm. who are you when you're just you yeah. So I guess tying that in with also some of the challenges how do you find time outside of being you know in you know hot property being in demand having TV want you, having movies want you, having businesses, having, you know, such a high profile. Your kids want you. (laughs) Your kids want you. How do you and Sean have time for each other? Yep. How do you have time for your kids? How do you have time for you when it's not for Sean or the kids? Yep. And how do you manage that struggle to not burn out and Mm. to... Find a bit of you that's for you and and what do you turn to? Is it yoga? Is it reading a book? Is Mm. it how do you get distance from the business, especially in the startup phase?
0: Yeah. Look, I think um, I sacrificed a lot of that dedication to myself because, you know, something has to give, Mm. but I still find there's less moments than I used to, but like before, like say, before I became a mum and before I was sort of, <laughs> yeah. um, I was definitely busier before I started this business. I was busy, but it, this has been a different kind of busy. So I think as the years have gone on and I've taken on different things and then having kids as well, you know, you, you, you do have less time for yourself, but I still find little snippets here and there. I think these days, the biggest thing for me is um, when I can just sort of really just isolate everything else and get back to me is with yoga yeah that has been something that has been my savior a lot of people talk about yoga and you know finding yoga and all of that I I used to kind of roll my eyes at it a bit but
1: (laughs) now you're like yeah (laughs) no I get it I
0: totally get it and um, it's not for everyone but for me it just allows me to reset and recharge and get back to me and I usually walk out of there in a way better headspace and frame of mind and energy levels, way better than, than when I walk into the to the
1: um, to the shala as <laughs> it's called. <laughs> no mistake. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to it. Um, do you find that you know people recognizing you and still having such a high profile that you don't kind of get the privacy to be just Megan when you want to have your yoga class, or do you find that people are quite respectful?
0: Um, yoga people are usually pretty respectful because yeah. I think everyone knows everyone's there to kind of just chill and 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 relax and kind of you know disconnect from the outside world yeah. so i think a lot of people have that are going there are with sort of that same kind of view and they would understand. I think that like I've never, it's never been a problem. The studio I go to, everyone's pretty, yeah, pretty good. Great. But yeah, that's that's one way that I kind of get back to me. Um And sometime I, sometimes I go for walks. I think it's just really, I, I think I'm starting to more and more. And again, this has come through doing this business and having mindfulness in front of me every single day because I'm working on it with the business. I've become a lot more attuned to myself. So I can tell if I'm getting a little bit run down, yeah. I can tell when sort of Um, it's hard to have that self-awareness you know yeah and get onto things on the get on the front foot I can tell when my stress levels are kind of starting to get up there so I know when to walk away from work or when to walk away from certain people Um, I know when I'm due all right Shawnee we haven't had a a dinner a night out for a while let's book it in so we're we're, um, you know I'm we're good at doing that as a couple but I'm good at doing it for myself now too and I don't as I say I don't have much time for it um because <laughs> yeah. I prioritize my kids yeah and absolutely. then the business and then my relationship and then I have whatever's left <laughs> sorry Sean you're number three <laughs> <laughs> he's all right you know that um <laughs> he's but, <all> right. <laughs> I mean we're getting to the point now where this business is launching and it will still be busy but um I always know that you know you've got to get through this it's temporary if yeah. you can you know check in with yourself and take care of yourself along the way and get back to yourself every now and then that's super important but you know sometimes there's going to be times where it's less possible and sometimes there's times where you've more opportunities to do that but it's funny you ask this question too because I find that with the kind of job that I have had you do lose part of yourself Mm. and it can happen without you even knowing it because there's an expectation of the person you're meant to be like going back to the modeling days and being an ambassador it's like you have to do this and you have to do this and you can't do this and you've got to watch what you say here and watch what you do here and you've got eyes on you 24-7 and you've got to watch your P's and Q's and that can then alter how you present yourself to the world. Yeah. And then you could kind of then lose a bit of naturally who you are So I can't say that. Like sometimes my friends would know, be out and we'd be, you know, things would be a bit loose and a bit crazy and I'd be like... <laughs> Guys, I can't. I can't. Daily Mail's over there. I can't. <laughs> there was no Daily Mail back then, but it's just be like I can't. I can't dance on the bar top. Yeah. I mean, I can. Yeah. But I don't want to get the angry email on Monday from David Jones saying what was she doing in that bar at two a.m. dancing on the and it sucks. But. Yeah it 's the way it is, and so yeah. you kind of you kind of um, that 's what you kind of pay for us to represent that brand. you sign up for that, and I get that so I would have to kind of I guess curtail a bit my my own self to represent someone else, and that can have an effect on on or, you know getting back to your, 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 your true self sometimes um, and likewise, when you become a mum, I think it happens to a lot of women of you kind of just get into – it's at a very unselfish mode. You know, when you're sort of single and you don't have kids, you can be as selfish as you like. You can do whatever you want and it's a great well, – I would say to anyone, enjoy that time. I don't think
1: people appreciate it you until know, you gone. don't. You don't.
0: <laughs> you really don't. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. you think you're tired and busy and then you have kids and it's like, whoa, <laughs> I had so much time on yeah. my hands. What the hell was I doing? Um, but I think – you know, we can lose a lot, more so, I think, especially the women, um, more than the men, you lose a lot of yourself when you become a mum, because it is a very unselfish, self-sacrificing time, you're giving all of yourself, and some women just give 110%, and it's very hard then to get a bit of that back, and I found, found that I was sort of losing a bit of myself with my first child, and I was aware of it, again, having a very good sense of self-awareness, and I thought, God, I need to really get back to me again. And there were a few things that I I guess I felt like I'd sort of stopped doing or forgotten to do because I felt like I couldn't or I shouldn't or, you know. So it was really you know, good to have that self-awareness to go back into being me and then take that into my second child and go, okay, let's keep an eye on this this time. Let's not completely lose ourselves, you know, and let's remember to have fun and let's remember to – You know, so more than with with River, I think, and you are more relaxed with your second child. I think it was about 10 days after we'd given birth to Rosie, I was like, let's go out to dinner. I would have never done that with River. I think it was months. (laughs) Yeah. River was with Sean's mum. I'd already fed Rosie, put her to bed, Mum was minding her. I knew I'd only be out of the house for two hours, really. It was only up the road to the local Thai place, so it wasn't like we were going interstate. And I remember posting about it, like, you know, Mum and Dad having a a night out and the amount of criticism (sighs) and horrible comments like, oh, you've left your baby, have you, and all of these things, and I knew that would happen because
1: people are... (laughs) Just feel Unpined. like it's, you, you you need their opinion. I mean, obviously. But the funny thing <laughs> is, is that
0: some people had made assumptions without really knowing all the facts. They don't know that I fed my baby and she's fast asleep. She's no idea that I'm up the road, which was a two minute car ride, and that I had my phone <laughs> there, and my famous. mum's in the house. But, yeah. you know, they come at you like you've you know you're on the crack pipe, and you 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 know you've, you've, you've flown to Sydney to party for the night and no one's looking after the child and they're at
1: home and <laughs> they're
0: locked in the car with yeah, no water and dying and I mean the reaction <laughs> that you get sometimes so you're just trying to put back into yourself
1: yeah that was another Can question quite, that I had was like about that do you, do you get self-doubt and comparison from the haters that inevitably are out there and I think it's a sign that you're doing something good if anyone's bothered enough by your behavior to bother hating it means you also have tenfold the amount of people who love what you do but do yeah. you ha- have you struggled with that self-doubt that comparison that expectation to fit the mold and and to look a certain way or be the Megan that everyone thinks that you are and you know you and Sean have quite a big age gap and I'm sure people feel like they can comment on every aspect of your life all the time yeah that used to come up a fair bit how do yeah, you look it you I, I
0: probably as I've gotten a bit older and a bit wiser and a little bit more attuned to what is important in life and what isn't I've coped with it much better than I used to I think I used to take a lot of things quite personally I mean at the end of the day yes you're in the public eye, but you still have feelings yeah we're not robots absolutely you know things still hurt Um, And it's very hard to sort of go, oh, water off a duck's back, doesn't matter, I don't care. And if you've got the ability to do that, then that's awesome. But I don't. I'm a very sensitive soul. I think people see me as this huge Amazon that's you know, this
1: <laughs> looking like this sort of
0: power woman. But You're a I'm, I'm, woman. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a softie. Like I, yeah. I'm super sensitive. Yeah. And um, especially when people completely get the wrong idea or the wrong impression or they make assumptions, I just think it's really unfair and not necessary. And um, I had someone – I did a post the other day about – you know, the, the the business coming up and, you know, talking about all things mindful. And someone, you know, wrote a comment just saying, what qualifications do you have to talk <laughs> all things mindful? It's like, okay, I know what you're saying, but I'm not – you haven't even – you don't even know – in that stage no one knew what the business was. You don't even know what my business is. Yeah. You don't even know what I'm saying. And you're kind of having a crack making out like – I'm in no position to be talking about this because I haven't got a degree in it, which I don't think you can get a degree in my words, yeah. by the way.
1: I think there <laughs> are I qualifications. The <laughs> so
0: like, yeah, I don't think it is something you get a degree for. But, you know, this is some, an assu- again, it's an assumption that someone's made. And I started to feel myself get, you know, quite, you know, quite upset at the comment. And I thought about writing back and explaining, well, no, I'm not saying I've got, a, you know, qualifications or whatever. But, and then I thought, no, do you know what? I don't need to. I know, so I just deleted them, and I moved on. And I do that quite often now. And I'm—I used to be very vocal about you know, unless it's something that's really out of line and really not cool, then I will respond back. And it's usually very considered and very measured and very civil. And only then will I really engage. But it's—it's hard out there, especially with social media. Now I think when I, I was doing the bulk of my career, there was no social media, so people didn't have a direct. Line to you. Yeah. The worst thing that could happen is that a journalist might decide they're going to write something nasty about you, and then that could go online, and then people might make some comments under a under an article. But there was no direct line to you. To no make comments, to, you know, straight to you. It's almost like they've got your phone number and they're sending you a text it message. It is, like, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I found that quite jarring um, when it all kind of started to go that way, but. I think, again, over time, you just kind of got to go, okay, but in the biggest scheme of life, what's really important here? And I think I started to think a lot like that after we lost Sean's dad and my dad. You know, when you have big losses in your family and you experience death from people that are very close to you, the closest people to you, it's not to say that I don't get upset about things anymore, but I think your perspective on life in general changes about, okay, Is that really important? And I still find myself getting upset about things that aren't important, but then there'll be – and Sean's amazing at – Snapping you out of it. He snaps me out of it, but I'm just trying to think of something that he says. He always says to me, um, you can't control the uncontrollables. You can't control who people are going to write. You can't, control, you know, referencing this particular example. You know, you can't control this. You can't control that. So only, only if there's something that you can control and you can change, so it makes you happier, then then you can put your energies into that. But if something's happened, or there's something that might happen that is out of your hands, you gotta let that stuff go. Yeah. And so he's really. Um,
1: He's so awesome. <laughs> I actually <laughs> know him so from a awesome. really long time ago. Dude, yeah. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know, like this I know. I know. Like 2007 or something. Like a no really, really long way. time. Why? When he first got listed, like very, very beginning. Stop. Yeah. And I remember, I'm, if he listens to this, he'll laugh. I remember when you first started going out, and I was like, lost my bananas because i'm like she you're my idol like what even and he was like i know she's like my poster girl oh and anyway, it was so sweet yeah oh my god really sweet so, so you'll have to say hi from me <laughs> i will i absolutely will that's awesome yeah no yeah. he's um he's great he's
0: unreal and he's just the best dad and he's just he's such a good human and so i'm really lucky to have him but he um yeah he's been really important i think and instrumental in you know helping me You know, stay on that path and stay focused, and not letting things like that kind of, you know, take me off off track.
1: I always say you can't live a positive life with a negative mind, but you also can't live a positive life with a negative environment. So you choose Mm. the people who help counteract those things. Yeah. And the more you kind of surround yourself with good energy, the more it just bounces. I mean, it's still there, Mm. and you're never going to be immune because you're a human. But it hits you less hard yeah when there are agree. people around you who are you know getting you through yeah so second last question three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation like a middle name or things that you know just things, things that, that people might not know yeah like things that might not have been in the media but that i think i love finding out you know you find out allergies you find out weird tattoos or yeah, weird yeah, middle yeah. names i've got i've
0: got three tattoos oh I've
1: got three tattoos so i've got
0: one behind my neck which is the symbol for leo which is my star sign Fire Sign. That one I got in Buenos Aires. <laughs> I kind of started collecting them when I was travelling and it was like, okay, this has going to stop. I was going to say,
1: what would Dave Jones say? Like, did you have to I didn't get ask, permission? No. <laughs> I it's behind my neck. They won't see just it. It, it. Just Photoshop it out. Get little ones. They're all hidden.
0: <laughs> um, I've got a sun on my ankle, but I got that when I was 19 when I first moved to Sydney. And then on my lower back I've got oh, – this one's so so weird. It's, it's like a, – it's a, it's a symbol um, in Chinese for fire and water. Oh. Um, cause I'm a fire sign And my boyfriend at the time When I got the tattoo Was a water oh. sign And we both got matching ones <gasps> Cute It's my Italian boyfriend That I had And he was Thank God he was a sweetheart He wasn't a horrible it's a person a nice So at least it's- <laughs> But I think what it serves for me now is a reminder to um, not be so impulsive and not just jump into things. Sometimes things are permanent. So just think about things before you
1: jump. jump. (laughs) Um, And very last question, since I love motivational quotes so much, as you can tell, my little book, what's your favourite motivational quote? My favourite motivational
0: quote is one – I always come back to this whenever I'm asked this question about favourite quotes – is one that my mum – When I was about eight years old, she got me a little plaque to hang on my wall, and it was a picture of a a ballerina doing this amazing dance move, and uh, the quote next to it said, "Believe in yourself, and all things are possible." Which sounds so corny, and it's like, oh, it's from your mom, (laughs) and of course, (laughs) but it it always sticks in my mind, and it's really—it's probably more resonated with me as an adult because I think about, and you know, going back to what we were saying before about pushing through those hard times so you can get to the top because you've got to that's when that's when the good stuff can happen it's often when you're about to quit and when you when you're about to quit you're not believing in yourself and so there were times I was about to give up modeling and I pushed through because I believed in myself and yeah. then the career was possible I was a bit I've lost count how many times I was going to give up on this business <laughs> yeah, on mindful life like so many times it was like nope tools down this is not for me it's too big too stressful can't do it but I backed myself in and I believed in myself and it's possible. Now, whether this is a success or not, we don't know. <laughs> but I've made the business possible. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fully fledged business. I made the products. I've done the work on the, you know, the mindfulness side of it. It's done. It's been possible. Um, but that's because I believed in myself you know backed myself in and so that's that's probably the quote that I think you know when I was younger I used to go oh it's a bit cheesy but now it's like wow how much have I applied that yeah. to
1: <laughs> mums to are always so right many. <laughs> they are
0: they are as I tell my children
1: <laughs> <laughs> well congratulations thank on you. a beautiful beautiful launch and incredible I can't I can't even wait to see what's what's ahead thank you I will include links in the show notes of course to how everyone can get their hands on the range it's absolutely beautiful um, and i'm so excited to see how it goes thank you so much thank you well i'm not even going to pretend that i didn't fangirl a little bit during this episode even though i know we've had a few guests who say that's so uncool but let's face it i'm pretty uncool megan was even more beautiful in real life than i had ever expected and i hope you enjoyed our chat as much as i did i'm so excited to see how mindful life goes and as promised there are links to the website in the show notes. Please do take a screenshot now if you're enjoying what you hear and make sure you tag both myself and Megan K. Gale to let us know what you thought and what you learned or even if you just joined us for a good chuckle. Your messages and feedback mean the absolute world, guys, and keep me motivated to keep pouring love and energy into this podcast. I hope you're having an amazing week and are seizing your yay.